the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. If you would, I'm going to say one more quick word of prayer. So bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, throughout 2018, we've been working through this gospel of Mark and really asking, who is Jesus and why should we care? And so here we are, Mark chapter 5, and the title of my message is, Reach Out. 
Before we dive into the text, I want to begin with a question. Are you someone who gets drained from people? Yes, I already, I already get some yeses. In the first service, they were all quiet and tired, and they just nodded. So, are you someone who gets drained from people? I, I, I have a confession to make. I often hide at the end of my days. Um, a week ago, I was invited on this trip with some guys just to get away and go fishing. And uh, I thought it'd be relaxing. I, I didn't know it'd be so much work, but... Um, they worked me to death, these guys. We went fishing and day and night, and, and we would get back from fishing. And, and uh, I didn't know I was doing this until they pointed it out, but I would go upstairs and, and close the door and just read a book at the end of the day. And one of them says to me, are, are you an introvert? And I said, I, I might be now. I don't know. <laughs> um, and he says, no, I get it. I get it. This is how he said it. Everyone around me wants to take from my bucket, too. And he said it with passion. Everyone wants to take from my bucket. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, in my job, I have this national job. And uh, I've, I've, come to, I've come to experience when all the people under me call me, they're trying to take from my bucket. And, uh, hey, can we do this? Or can you provide this? Or can we have this? And he said, just last week, I asked one of uh, my regional guys, are you trying to take from my bucket? And he didn't understand, but I understood, you know, click. And then he said, even his boss, like the CEO, CFO, when they call him, they're trying to take from his bucket. And hey, you think we, meaning you, should do this? Or should we do this? Or, and he's like, they're trying to take from my bucket. Everyone's trying to take from my bucket. And uh, how about you? Do you get drained from being around people, from people trying to take from your bucket all the time? Well, this is the beauty of our passage, and the beauty of Jesus is this. Jesus never gets worn out from us reaching out for his love. That's what kind of the big idea of our passage is. Jesus never gets worn out from you reaching out for his love. And uh, if we're really going to learn how to reach out, there's kind of three givens or three truths that we all must accept in order to be able to reach out for him. Number one, we all face pain. Number two, we all face risk. And number three, we all face fear. So we're going to dive into these three points and see what our text has to say to us this, this morning. Number one, all of us face pain. As we read, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. This leader, this ruler, was coming face to face with the reality that he had significant pain, unspeakable pain in his life. In 2007, I was invited, Carly and I and our family, we were invited to move to New England uh, to launch a faith-based counseling hub. 
And so we moved up there, and within the first month, I got a tragic call from a very well-to-do family. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. But I received this call. I drove up to their house. It was a mansion. Anyone here from New England? Anyone? We've got a few. So up in New England, at least in Connecticut, it's really rocky soil. And what did the farmers do when they cleared the land? They, they, they would move the rocks to the borders, and they create these rock walls. If you've driven through New England, you've probably seen all these rock walls. Well, then if you have means, you actually make really fancy walls with these rocks. In fact, someone's working in granite. So in the back country, I drive up, and there's this fancy, beautiful rock wall. And I, I drive past it through the gates, and there's this perfectly manicured lawn, and there's this gorgeous house. And I knock on the door. And, and, and the wife, she answers the door. And, and you could just feel the grief coming from inside the home. And I, I look in the home. The home's gorgeous. She welcomes me in, and no one's talking. Their perfect world had been shattered in a moment as they had their, I think it was an eight-year-old son, drown in their new pool in the backyard. The nanny had just turned her head briefly, and the, the son's hair had gotten caught in the suction trap, and it was an awful, awful tragedy. In this family, they, they had everything together. Literally everything was perfect until that unspeakable pain occurred in their life. And so it is with Jairus. Jairus, this leader in the synagogue, he would have been the lay leader of the church. He would have been the head of basically the board of elders. He would have been responsible for lining up the rabbis that would come through and teach in the synagogue. He'd be in charge of tapping people like Jonathan to read scripture. And yet we see him falling on his knees before Jesus with unspeakable pain. His perfect world had been shattered. And then in a literary trick, Mark, this is why we read over 20 verses today, you can't separate these two stories. Mark then brings in this other person, this woman. And it's called sandwiching in the, in the terms of a writing. So he sandwiches another story right in the middle of Jacob's story. And we read, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. In other words, she was not only sick, she had been taken advantage of and she was left with nothing. And was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. So on one hand, you've got Jairus, ruler of the synagogue, dropping on his knees with unspeakable pain. And then you've got this nameless woman who wouldn't dare let her face or name be known, coming up from behind him in the midst of a crowd and simply reaching for his garment with unspeakable pain. In fact, in that day, with that disease, with that struggle, she would have been uh, unfit and unclean, unfit for marriage. She wouldn't have been able to be married. Heartbroken. And unclean. 
She wouldn't have even been fit for worship in the synagogue, worship in the temple. She was utterly isolated in her life. Beyond her physical pain, she had relational pain. Sure, she had faith pain. She had been hurt by the church, so to speak. Two opposites facing similar pain, desperate for hope. Perhaps you can relate. Perhaps you are facing unspeakable pain today. Perhaps someone you love or a good friend is facing unspeakable pain today. Perhaps you've been struggling with a physical ailment for years. And the hope, the light of hope is growing dimmer and dimmer. All of us must come face to face with the reality that we face pain. Point number two, all of us face risk. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly. Now I want you to imagine the scene with this leader. Uh, Jesus has come onto the scene and his ministry is growing a following. The rulers of the day and the religious leaders of the day, they're starting to despise him. They're looking for ways to discredit him. So as he comes back across the sea and comes onto the shore, the very last thing you would expect the leader of the synagogue to do is drop at his knees before Jesus. But that's exactly what he's left with to do. He drops before Jesus. And not only is he laying down his pain before Jesus, he's laying down his very reputation at the feet of Jesus. And then we have the woman. The woman comes. And she heard the report. She reaches out. I'll be made well, she thinks. And immediately the flow of blood dries up and she felt her body was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And then, of course, we have the disciples, the know-it-alls. They, they try to correct Jesus here. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you? And yet you say, who touched me? And yet Jesus looked around to see who had done it. Jairus is dropping to his knees face to face with Jesus. This woman is reaching in the midst of a crowd, not wanting to be seen or heard, heard. And Jesus notices she's reaching for the garments of Jesus. You see, this woman grasps not only for a miracle of God, but also the grace of God that it would invade her life. She's an outcast. In fact, anyone that was near her or would touch anything that she touched would also be unclean. No one would have anything to do with this woman. And yet Jesus is looking for her. Someone has touched my garment. Two opposites risking everything with nothing left to do except reach for him. And again, perhaps you're facing a similar circumstance in your life. I noticed, I noticed my wife was tearing up in the first service. We have a family member really suffering with addiction right now. And as we sang the song during the communion time, tears were 
were rolling down her face. And all she could do, all we can do at this point, is turn to Jesus. That's it. We've done interventions. And how about you? What circumstance or circumstances are you wrestling with? What pain is real for you this morning? All of us face pain and all of us face risk. And, and in fact, think about the risk Jairus, he, he's putting his whole status on the line, his whole social position on the line. But even in his own heart, he'd been so powerful up to that moment. And it, it was risky. If we're honest, those of us who are successful, admitting we don't have it all together. And dropping to our knees and saying, Jesus, I, I need you. I need something. And then the woman facing scorn. You know, I would think as she's hiding from Jesus, she's, she's so accustomed to being shamed. And she doesn't even feel worthy to be seen. Maybe you're wrestling with that today. All of us face pain. All of us face risk in coming and reaching for Jesus. And point number three, all of us face fear. And here's where the story takes a twist. But the woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. She expected to be shamed. Instead, when she meets Jesus, not only is she healed, she's fully accepted, fully embraced, and fully redeemed in the face of all the doubters. In the words of Kent Hughes, the theologian, he writes, Imagine the woman, her heart throbbing with joy and fear, her eyes tearing with emotion, Christ was calling her to stand before the throng, but not for her sake, excuse me, not for his sake. It was for her and for Jairus and for some within the crowd and for us. Joy, redemption had come as she met Jesus. And yet, here's the twist. At that moment, the world stopped. At least it stopped for somebody. You see, what had happened is Jairus had found Jesus right as he came off the boat. He dropped on his knees, risked everything, said, please come quickly, my daughter's dying. And so Jesus starts moving along with Jairus through the crowd, and then this whole epic kind of you know, invasion happens with this woman, and Jesus stops, and by the time he starts going on, Jairus' friends come up to him and say, friend, it's too late. Your daughter's dying. She's gone. Leave this teacher alone. Walk away. And yet, the scripture goes on to say, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the rulers of the synagogue, excuse me, to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear. Only believe. Another way to say it is do not fear. Reach. And then the twist and the irony, the woman, the no-name, the person who wouldn't show her face, she becomes the model of faith for the ruler of the synagogue. See how she believes? Believe. It's an imperative. It's, it's a verb. Keep believing. 
And then the story goes on. They walk up to the man's house. There's professional mourners that have been hired. And, and Jesus says, no, she's just sleeping. And people start to laugh and mock Jesus, which is par for the course. And he puts them all outside, the scripture goes on to say. And he took the child's father and mom and those who were with him and went in where the child was and taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Now, isn't it interesting that the original language was captured in this invitation, in this call to rise? The author of the book of Mark is John Mark, who had been a disciple of Peter. So he wasn't even at this scene. Peter had relayed this whole account to John Mark. Peter obviously remembers these sweet divine words. He passes them to John Mark and he passes them to us and they literally mean little lamb arise. Little lamb arise. And we see in the first story with the woman reaching, she's reaching for Jesus. But here, Jesus reaches for her and he says, little lamb Arise. And what's interesting is he put out all the mourners, all the mockers. They weren't there. Why? Because I think Jesus wasn't interested in proving his worth. He was simply interested in proving his love. And I think that's the point of this passage to that dad that mom, that daughter, and us. Jesus never gets worn out from us reaching out for his love. No matter who you are, if you're the highest of the high, I don't know who we have here today, and if you're the lowest of the low, Easter morning, someone comes up to me, this gentleman, about 60 years of age, and he says, I haven't been to church in 20 years. But I want to let you know I'm so excited to be here. And the whole morning he's weeping. I don't know how and why you're here today, but I want you to know that Jesus cares for you and he loves you. No matter what pain you're facing, no matter what circumstance you're wrestling with, no matter what fear you're carrying, he says to this girl, and he says to us, Talitha kumi, little lamb, arise. Believe. Reach. In closing, I just have one last thing to say, which is, if there's one thing to fear today, it's to let Jesus pass you by without reaching out for him. We all have a choice. We all have an invitation to drop down or reach out for Him.
So if you're wrestling with something, maybe it's vocationally, maybe it's relationally, maybe it's in the home, maybe it's not. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and I'm going to invite you to do one of two things. I want everyone to close their eyes to honor those in the room. I either want you to imagine dropping to your knees and crying out to him, or I want you to imagine reaching out for him. Or if you physically feel called to drop to your knees or reach up in the sky as a symbolism of your desperation, of your whatever pain you're carrying for yourself or someone you love, I'm going to invite you to do it now. And we're going to come to Jesus in his love. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would search this room and you would search the hearts of those who are here. And you would see and hear of the unspeakable pain that we may be carrying or others we love may be carrying. And just as Jairus and this woman, they dropped to their knees or they reached out with their hands to touch the garment of your son, we reach out for your love. That's all some of us are left with. We reach out for your love. And we would pray that you would love us as you see fit, that you would call us to new life, to healing, to hope, where otherwise we would have no hope. And we hear your words, Talitha Kumi, arise, little lamb. Thank you so much for your love. We kneel, we reach, we sit, and we take. In Jesus' name.